Ladies and gentlemen, last week we talked about uh, the population bomb fallacy. We opened that conversation, that can of worms, if you will. I want to reiterate a few things as we start this conversation. One of the things that we talked about was the idea that population growth rate peaked back in the 60s. It occurred to me that that might not be crystal clear what that means. It peaked in the 60s and it's since cut in half between 1960, I'll say 65 and 2020. Cut in half, went from 2.1% to 1.05% in those years. Uh, we now, were saying the growth rate. What's, what I mean by that, yeah, there's a difference between population growth rate and population growth. So population growth has yet to peak. That won't peak for another 25, 30 years. But the growth rate, the rate at which, you know, it's growing will eventually flatten and then it will decline. When the, the growth rate gets neg- becomes negative, mm-hmm. that's when, um, um, I think that's when we'll start to see the, the actual decline begin. Now, it depends on how quickly people die and age and those sorts of things. So anyway, that's a quick clarification. Uh, we did open a can of worms last week. I do want to reiterate, reiterate one more thing. We don't talk about this because we're afraid of it. We talk about it because it's a context within which we can disciple our children because that is the context within which they will have to live and disciple their children. So we're going to dive into some of the lies today. We kind of alluded to these last week, but what are the lies that we need to, uh, yeah, unobscure to not just dispel the lies, but I think some of the lies are so obscured to us. We don't see them. So we want to unobscure them. We want to make them visible. So then we can start to dispel them. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start that conversation and finish it on the other side. You know, it occurred to me when you were talking about how we need to disciple our children. I think that's one of the beautiful things about, obviously, God's word and discipleship is that it's not just this token of, okay, here's how to, you know, disciple your, or discipline your kids or deal with them and make it so your life is better just today, right? Or easier, or your kids are not so annoying, right? It's it, That's not what God's word's for. God's word is for here and now, but mm-hmm. also there and then. And so yep. when we're talking about these different discipleship opportunities and, and how to disciple and why we're discipling our children, it's not just because we want an easier life as a parent and a more enjoyable life. We, it's because mm. there is a battle to be faced uh, in the next 20 to 30, 50 years. And our kids need to be prepared for that. And so we're praying that God's truth takes root in their hearts. Uh, and they're able to unobscure these lies that our culture has kind of grayed over and maybe has yeah. put in little seeds of truth, but not actual uh, full bearing. It doesn't really bear the whole weight of the truth. Our right? truths need to need to heed and heed well yeah. the fear of the Lord. And what I mean by that is they need to be in the context of, of who God is and what he said, not just, you know, we can have truth that, so like if you can say, this was a quick example, if you can say that the sky is blue, you'd say, yeah, the sky is in fact blue. That's great. But that truth itself should even be submitted to the to the fear of the Lord. You know, the sky is blue because God made it that way. Right. And it's good because God made it that way. Right. God has made it that way. And we need to recognize God. Yeah his creative work in that. And so that's that's a truth bearing weight um, because of the fear of the Lord. I'm trying to get this baby to... We have, to it's time for her to take a nap, but we are in the middle of recording and this is the time we have. And we're so. under a deadline. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, our producers are just, they're just, yeah, ruthless. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I clarified the population growth thing versus population growth rate. Um, we're going to obscure some of the lies. I think the biggest lie, let me hand you this baby, sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Look at, oh, there's Sunny. 
So the biggest lie here, um, when we talk about childlessness, there are all kinds of theses in social sociology and demography around what can cause, what is leading to the declining population growth rate, what is leading to this, uh, the population um, collapse, the societal collapse that is going to result by having a population on earth that is a lot smaller than it is today. And they're trying to figure out what's happening, what's causing that. And I think that um, it'd be really easy to say, well, just people are just having fewer kids. Well, of course they're having fewer kids. The question is, why are they having fewer right. kids? And what is, um, what is the motivation behind it? And given that motivation, what are some of the things, that, we'll call them lies, that are informing that motivation? Sure. They're infused into it in a way that uh, it makes the motivation seem good. So, uh, but we have to first address this question of intentional childlessness. And so here's um, something that I posit in the, in the book that I mentioned last week. It's a book that these, are, these findings are going to be in. This is going to be just one chapter, so there'll be, there'll be more than this. Uh, but here's one thing I posit is it's false to assume that the childlessness that we see around us is intentional. In other words, mm-hmm. another way to put that is it's more accurate to assume that childlessness is unintentional. Now, you might think, well, what in the world is he talking about? Like, people, people want to have kids. They should have kids. Agreed. The problem is, is I don't think they understand. Uh, oh, I'll just I'll just continue on. There's there's a point at which having kids becomes not an option anymore, and so when people delay it long enough, then it becomes an unintentional outcome of maybe that delay. So there's a finding. Um, I forget. Uh, let's see who the who the scientist was. Um, Kaiser. Yeah, um, Kaiser is a scientist. He did a he did a qualitative study on why women are choosing childlessness. So there's numbers. You can look at quantities. You can say, okay, X number among Y number of women are choosing childlessness. And that's just a demographic quantity you can nail down. But the real question is why? And so he did a, a study and he asked these women, why did you choose to be childless? And here's what it said. It said, research shows that 10% of childless women choose childlessness as a matter of preference. Okay. So they just said, you know, I don't want kids. So I'm not going to have kids. Another 10% remain childless because of health reasons. So they said, I can't have kids, right? I, I don't have, I'm not fertile enough or I, whatever reason I, right. so well, it's, it's, it's going to be related to health. Yeah. So while the above would indicate that the majority of childless women did not choose it, another study may suggest they chose it by virtue of lifestyle choices that had an unintentional outcomes. Okay. So you have of hundred percent of childless women, 10% are saying, I wanted this. Another 10% are saying, I didn't have a choice. So there's 80% in the middle that are childless, that neither chose it, nor were forced into it. So there's this unintentional childless 80%. Um, and so that that's a big question. So the, the, why why are those things there? Um, and and actually, I was watching this documentary that's called, uh, it's called Birth Gap. It's, it's uh, by a guy named Stephen, uh, Stephen Shaw. Um, it seems fairly well reasoned. Um, and then he, after, I think he released it a number of years ago, um, part one anyway, and there's, there's actually three parts to it that you had to, I had to pay to, to get access to because I was really interested in this, obviously. Um, and so given the fact that it's, you know, the parts two and three are more recent, he was interviewed by uh, Jordan Peterson, which um, love him or hate him. He's a very prominent pop psychologist and um, guy that a lot of people listen to. And I didn't watch the video, but I was intrigued by in this interview was the comments. So when I mean comments, I mean on YouTube, people are commenting. And one comment jumped out at me. 
This young lady said this after watching this video or watching part of this video. She said this, I was 100% lied to my entire school career and through my 20s. I was told that education was the most important and that getting a job was the only respectable way to live. Well, and, and, then, and she's mourning the fact that she's missed the window within which she can have kids. So I think there's a few things here because it's not like they were... Uh, was she lied to intentionally? Like what she would call a lie, another a parent might be saying, that was what I wanted for my child. And so I told them this was the best thing. And so it's... So Aristotle has a definition lied. of truth. Let me, yes, that's okay. going to sound... Aristotle defines truth like this. If you speak of a true thing that is true as if it is true, or you speak of an untrue thing as if it is untrue, you have spoken the truth. Okay? Is it true that a career is better than children? No. So if you speak of it as if it's better than, then you've been given a lie, a, te- a kind of a textbook sure, lie. Sure, I guess I'm just hearing her emotion in it. Um, because it, yes, I think we were, most of us in that generation were told that... It's good to have that time in your 20s to go to school, to have that career, to get your foundation laid for your life, right? And I don't know that we would have argued and, that. We wouldn't have and it's that not that those 20s. things are bad. It's no. just that they are always put in opposition to. Yeah, they're competing with. They're always put in. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and for, a, for a young lady, her prime fertility years are like yeah. 20, 25, if yeah. not even sooner than that. And yeah, if you take it just biologically speaking. But yeah. You are, yeah, your fertility rate is there, and then it's, isn't it cut in half? We'll get into that, but yeah, your fertility rate, uh, so the, the the amount of fertile eggs that a woman has at 25 is cut in half by the time that woman is 35. Right. And we'll get into that, but I, I want to look more into the lies of why uh, why young ladies are believing this, and even young men are saying they can put off childbearing. So if you have a young couple, like we were in our 20s when we got married, well, we were 20 when we got married, yeah. we figured we can put this off. Right. We had no real, like conviction around it we just did what we thought we, we just we did what the culture taught us to do and, and what, what we wanted, wanted. Yeah, bear with us we're talking about childbearing here so <laughs> this is what it is this is the glory of it um yeah and so you have you know say say if we would have waited another five years like so longer than what we five years than what we did yeah then your your uh fertility would have been cut a half again right. from from 25 to 30 35 30 to 35 um, so anyway, we'll talk about that, but the question is why are women choosing this? And, and you can, it's very easy to paint with a broad brush. It's because all of them want to be, you know, boss women. They all want to be power, no, wear power suits yeah, and, and uh, climb the corporate ladder. Don't I don't think that. we can say no, that, no. but Shaw has these, uh, he's positing these things and he says, uh, so he's looking back historically. So we, we mentioned that the population growth rate peaked in 1965 and it, and it went down to, by half since then until 2020. And he looked at the seventies and said, what happened in the seventies that caused this, this, this phenomenon to happen? Mm-hmm. And he, he cited the, so Japan is one country where it's very prominent. Another one where it's very prominent is in uh, Korea. Uh, and there's a few other nations like uh, Italy. I think Spain is really dealing with it. Norway is really dealing with it. And Germany. I think Germany. But he's looking at, he's looking at Japan and saying there was the, the, the 1970s had an oil shock, right? And the Korean currency pr- crisis of the 1990s. Each, in each one of those cases, if you follow that event and go nine to 12 months past it, uh, there's a population growth decline. Hmm. There's a fertility decline. In other words, less babies are being born. And so he then says, well, that, that, that explains kind of the shock to the growth rate. And then what happened, that cu- coupled with, and this is what I would add, I'd layer on top of it, is a sexual revolution. 
the commoditization of sex, the casualization of sex, mixed in with the the um, the advent of the pill, mm-hmm. the birth control pill, and the cultural shifts that are happening in the West to basically uncouple sex from marriage, from childbearing. Right. So now you have sex without consequence. Yeah. So there might have been these inciting events, but this tinder was there and ready to burn. Right. And I think that's why the that's why it seems so rapid. Right. You know, cut in half in, in 50, 60 years. Right. Um, so that's kind of my hypothesis. Is it has to do with the sexual revolution, the commoditization of sex, the casual, casualization of sex, and even the rise of feminism and what that does, the pressures it places on women. And not just the pressures to achieve, but pressures to almost avoid yeah. the traditional roles. Yeah of being a wife and being a mother. Yeah, it's very, it was very looked down on. I mean, yeah. we were married and I, well, we were engaged and I remember taking a feminism class in college and I remember thinking, you know, what, so you're going to come home and I'm going to be in charge of dinner and the kids? Like, I don't want that. I want to have a career. I want to work first. And, you know, the typical narrative of what we see here. And you can't, even one day you came back, you're like, I think I'm on a hyphenate or my last name. <laughs> You've heard the hyphenation drama. <laughs> and I was like, this is not a conversation ago. I'm going to have. 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, yeah. not. It's, it's, it was just a passing. It wasn't like a serious thing yeah, that you were but considering. By God's grace. I mean, we have four beautiful daughters, but that's really not the case. I, I, I don't foresee that, that women are being sold a bill of goods that, that you know, a career is better. We're not, I'm not here to argue that a career it's here, a bad thing. Here it's we are just, talking about this, how wonderful children are. And <laughs> our baby's being fussy right now. She's tired. She's tired, but it doesn't change anything. It's like, not like this I want to be like, oh gosh, I should go work. Because my like, I just really want this podcast to do to take off and this baby's inhibiting me. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, like this is why we love doing it because it's, fa- it's family yes. on display. But. Tell him, Sonny. So, what's going on. I think there's, so if I were to look at this and say, what are these two big reasons? That, that, that's what I'm going to attribute it to is... Uh, the divorce of sex from marriage and procreation, and I've said it before, but the commoditization of sex and the and the casualization of sex, that has to do with the divorcing of it. And then the commoditization of children. Now, when I say the word commoditization, what do I mean by that? It becomes a, a good that is now traded based on preference and need, right? And supply and demand. Supply and demand. Okay, so if you ha- if you're trading in commodities, you're you're trading and, and looking at markets and you're leveraging and looking at you know different rates of you know how much oil going for, what's what are minerals going for, what are the different. So we've done that with sex. We've done that with children. Whereas sex is seen as a pleasure, as an item exclusively for pleasure, and not procreation. And children are seen as items. They're luxury goods. Clearly, that's a luxury good. <laughs> Home, sunny girl. <laughs> and here's the pushback: is that's not that's neither biblical, nor historical, um, uh, nor a historical view that people have held. So, um, okay, those are the big overlying things. Now we're going to dive into uh, what I think are uh, some of the specific lies that kids have are being taught, and we as parents need to be aware of these so that we can not just. Avoid the lies. The lies are going to come in, okay? And because our kids live in this world, this world is, it's the water we're swimming in. So what we want to do is we want to be able to lay out for all to see a biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. For, for all to see what I mean, anyone really, but our kids specifically. We want them to see the biblical worldview. We want to be able to see the lie for what it is. We want to put them side by side to each other. We want to compare them. 
And we want to train our children to reject the lie and to cling and hold fast to the truth. Well, and to be confident in that process as well, mm-hmm. to not shy away, to go toe-to-toe, not yep. in mm-hmm. a combative way. I mean, yes, you have to combat, but hopefully in a winsome way. But, you know, sometimes those conversations are just really hard to yeah. have. Well, yeah, you got you to gotta speak the truth. Do so loving, but uh, don't don't compromise on it. Do so lovingly, I should say. So here's a big. Um, so what are the big reasons uh, kids, children, I'll say young adults, give for delaying children? Let me start to pick these apart. Number one, categorically, is hopelessness. Now they're not going to say hopelessness, but here's how they word it. They say, uh, "I don't want to bring children into this messed up world." In other words, they have a bleak outlook in terms of their own future. They have a bleak outlook in terms of what's going to happen to our country, what's going to happen to our world, whether that's fueled by, you know, political stuff or environmental stuff or, you know, it it can be a thousand things. Crime rates, you know, it can be a thousand things, but they just say, I don't want to bring kids in this messed up world. That's a hopeless view. Okay, we'll come back and correct these with some biblical stuff here in in a minute. Some will cite a hopelessness in terms of finances. They can't afford to have babies. You know, that kind of falls under the second category, which is they're not ready, they, or they don't think they're ready, but they don't think they'll ever be ready financially. They, 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 they don't think they can afford a house. And I think this generation of young adults is really facing an uphill battle in terms of buying a house because of what happened over the last five years. But Can I speak to that? Oh, please do, yeah. Um, I, I think, yes, it is. It is well, you don't have to have a house to have kids. I guess that is what I want to say because we lived in apartments with our our first child, excuse me. <laughs> we lived yeah. in apartments for with our first child. What is it? One, two, I think we had two or three different apartments before we got a house. And even it was a one bedroom apartment, you know, it was a bit rough. But yeah. I just think that is an ideal that we don't have to it's, yeah, it's very necessarily Western for sure. You can still yeah. have a wonderful family and relationship and not live in a home. And it's and it's almost taboo too if you have uh you know, if you don't have enough bedrooms for your kids and you're like you're some it's very taboo um and what i mean by that is you go to any central american country and you're going to find massive families living in these one room places even yeah in some western countries over in europe um and so what one of the things that we really struggled with early on was should we have the baby in the room with us or should we have the baby in her own room in her crib and what are the and I remember looking at you and being like, listen, walls are like a fairly recent invention. <laughs> and these are like this idea of segmenting your family off by these rooms and separating yourselves. That's a very recent thing. Um, so we got to kind of question some of this stuff. Uh, the, the next one under hopelessness is they don't think they can give a good future to their children. This this is a mixture of the two. This is assuming a lot of control. Yes. A lot of control in all of this. I mean, Finances, hopelessness, it's, it's, you're assuming that yep. you can control so much of it when you just remember in that much Yeah, control. and pragmatically, yeah, we can't tell the future. So living like we can is silly. We're not God. Yeah. You know, it's, um, we, we don't make decisions based on what we assume someone else's future is going to be like. That's one of the, one of the big pro-abortion arguments is that they're going to grow up in poverty, so we might as well, you know, they're better off being aborted. And the, obviously that is ridiculous because why when, since when do we make decisions about other people's lives based on what we think their future will have will hold like that's not how we view humanity that's not how we've like the people a, a child is made in god's image from the moment of conception like we we value them because of that not because of what we think will or won't happen to them in their lifetime we assume a godlike role and we are horrible gods 
And not only that, our desire to do that is utter rebellion to the true God. So we need to repent of that. Um, so in terms of hopelessness, okay, so they're worried about the bleak outlook on the, their future. They can't afford it. Uh, they don't think they give their kid a good future. Um, but here's the, here's the reality is that more money. So even if you say, okay, here's more money, here's more opportunity to these people, it doesn't incentivize kids. In fact, Denmark, uh, did a year of paid leave for, can you imagine taking a year off? Like we'd have like five more kids by now. I think if, if I was working at a normal job and I got a year off and I knew I could get another year if I just had another kid, <laughs> I'd, we'd have 10 years where I'd only work three years. <laughs> um, you too, of course. <laughs> um, it didn't work. Denmark still has one of the largest birth gaps. I think um, 30% Well, and we are one rate, of the wealthiest so. nations, right? And we have seen one of the biggest declines in yeah. birth rate. Yeah. So money is not an incentive. Well, look at the number of children born to lower middle class and middle, lower middle class families, right? There are more. And newsflash people, it's not just because they haven't figured out how sex works. Like they're not having more kids because they don't know what happens, like what makes kids happen. They're having more kids, I think, because it's a different outlook on life. And there's something, there's a mindset among the wealthy that precludes them from having children. You call it what you will, but there's this mindset that they are, life is theirs for the taking and kids are more or less in the way and more kids are more in the way. So that's the hopelessness one. That's a big one. We have to speed up a little bit here. Um, the other reason that young people give for delaying child birth or child, what, childbearing? There it is bearing and rearing is they just say they're not ready. And I mentioned the financial part, but this is like an emotional sense. Like in other words, or in a life sense, I want to start a career. I want to have fun. I want to travel. I want to finish, you know, whatever my goals are. And then when I'm ready, then I can have, do you hear the, the underlying message here? Selfishness. Well, yeah. Right. Kids, kids are an afterthought. They're not in any sense. Like there's a grander pursuit. Kids are to be pursued after the grander pursuit is complete. And I'm not saying that jobs are bad or that any of that stuff is bad, but like if you put them side by side, kids are, they can win. They should win. Now, yeah, I'll just leave it there. Well, parenting was never meant to be easy breezy and, you know, fun and easy, right? There are those moments, but uh, we are being sanctified for God's glory in this role of parenthood. And so that's the bigger picture of you're never going to be ready. You're never going to be ready for a wave of God's goodness to mull you over and then beat you against the rocks until you're, the, the pieces that are not glorifying to him fall off, right? It, it's it's just, you're never prepared for those things. And so, yeah. not that you, you know, I don't know. I think it's a matter of priorities in terms of being ready or not ready. Um, for us, I think uh, we just kind of had this um, this lack of urgency around it. And I think we, we were busy. Now we wouldn't have said we don't, I don't know. Do you remember those conversations? It's been a while. We, well, we had talked when we were first married. We we're like, oh, let's wait like six years, five, seven years. That and then around and we were like, no, we're just kind of getting the prime of stuff. And now we're like, right. Lord. Like, the thing is, is it wasn't really any hard. better from no child to having a child in terms of like nothing really changed. I would say that life got infinitely better, even though it financially got worse <laughs> um, in those moments. So there's anecdotal evidence there. Uh, I, I watched one of these interviews again. It was in this documentary, and, and a young child said, "Hey, they said, how are you gonna have kids? How many kids are you gonna have?" And he said, "No, I'm, I'm none. Well, why? Because children will take all my time and my money. Mm. Um, and that's the that undergirds this idea of I'm not ready. Because if I have a child, then there goes my time. 
And there goes my money. There goes my opportunity. There goes my fun. And as disciplers of future disciplers, we need to look our kids square in the eye and say, you are a blessing. Children are a blessing. And you will be blessed in having children. Wow. And looking at Christ. If, if Lord willing, of course. Coming down. We took all his time, <laughs> all his whole life, every ounce of his being. He had no, nothing to do with time until he entered it <laughs> on our behalf. And then, and then he spent all his time serving humanity. Yeah. I mean, what a model. Yes. The gospel calls for selflessness and dying to self. So, I, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not a being not ready is not really an excuse. That's good. Number three, big one is uh, they've delayed it. I call this procreation procrastination. Procreation procrastination. Um, and so they're basically just del- delaying childbearing. So, and this here's why this is a problem and why in the thinking is they, they think I'm going to go through career. I'm going to do all that stuff. The problem is, is that a 20 year old, okay. And that has 60% good eggs, 60% good eggs has 60% has, yeah. 20 year old woman. Thank you. Has 60% good eggs. So say they have a thousand eggs. eggs, I don't know what the numbers are. We'll say a hundred eggs every month (laughs) that are are up for fertilization. Well, out of those hundred eggs, only 60 of those are good. Good meaning viable. Yeah. Yeah. They're viable. Yeah. So by the time they're 45, that count has reduced itself by 80%. Mm-hmm. So we've gone from 60 viable eggs out of 100 right. down to 80 like that down to 12. Down to 12 viable eggs. Um, they can still conceive, but it's very, very much harder. And so there's a myth around delayed childbearing, and this was very interesting to me. So recently, who was the the celebrity that had had the baby over 50? Who was that? I think it was Cameron Diaz at 53. I want to say. Okay, so Cameron Diaz. We'll just say. Let's hope we're being truthful in that. I think I remember that happening. She's 50-something and had her first child. She finally just was ready or for whatever reason, she she had her first child. And uh, this, so there's a doctor, Dr. Michael Feynman, who is a doctor, I'm guessing a fertility doctor somewhere in California and pr- presumably for celebrities. He said this, when celebrities conceive late in life, we as fertility doctors probably know that it's an egg donor. Or it's possible that this woman, this celebrity woman, froze embryos a long time ago. So picture Cameron Diaz. I remember probably like, what, 20 years ago, she was one of the most highly paid actresses in Hollywood. Like, totally in demand. Like Charlie's Angels, that she was on that, right? Like, mm-hmm. that whole, and she was in, what, the really gross movie, um, Along Came Polly. She was in that and a bunch of other stuff. Um, she was in high demand. So I can, I can imagine at, at, at 33, when she's maybe in this childbearing child having stage she's thinking i can't stop now i'll put some eggs on ice mm-hmm. and i'll come back to those later well it's a miseducation. this is what the doctor said he says the miseducation of the public that a lot of young ladies think that i can just come back when i decide and i'm in my mid to late 30s right. and just have a kid and you're going i'm going through this these different ladies on this documentary watching their testimonies and they're saying i thought i'd be fine mm-hmm. i thought i could start at 35 36 37 it hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. I've tried IVF, which we believe if you do IVF and you have embryos on ice, that each one of those embryos should be brought to full term at some point. And that's, that's kind of one of the costs of IVF um, because we believe that's human life, biblically and scientifically. But they're talking about IVF. Like I tried, I tried all these different rounds, but none of the eggs took. I couldn't get it to work and I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. Not only that, I, I spent my whole the prime of my life, my 20s and 30s, pursuing career, I've neglected relationships and I can no longer, I, I don't have time to get a husband and bear a child. Mm. 
So again, coming back to this unintentional childlessness, what is leading to this? Um, there was a video on Twitter recently, I think, or somewhere is on Twitter. And this woman is basically, she's bawling into the camera, just pouring out her guts, saying, I'm just sitting here and I'm doing the math and I'm realizing that I just assumed I would have a child. But, uh, you know, I've been divorced for three years. I've spent the last, you know, I'm 36 is what she said. And I've spent the last three years since my divorce working on myself to be spiritually healthy, physically healthy, emotionally healthy. And I just had the realization today that I don't have enough time. I don't have any serious prospects. I have very few fertile years left. And it just will not work. Yeah. And she said, you can say that I have time, but I'm just going to tell you I don't. Yeah. She's and, coming to the realization that the, she's been sold a bill of goods, like we mm-hmm. said. You yeah. know, instead of you know, trusting, I think... These, all of these episodes, again, are not to make us afraid. They're not to... There is a fear-inducing aspect to yes. them, but that's not the intent, yeah. But the the point of all of this talk and all of this, you know, celebrities putting their eggs on ice, I mean, it feels very not fierce marriage. Um, what? Fierce parenting. And, I'm trying to relay yes. the the, I, the miseducation that is I'm resulting saying. from yeah. that sort of normalization of... Yes. Social media is normalizing yeah. things that is not... That are not, it's not normal. normal. And so... Yeah. And they're not... They don't happen for normal people. Celebrities can pay oodles and oodles of money to have eggs on ice, and we don't even, I don't, we have some issues with that. But anyways, the point being is that we as Christians and believers have been given the cultural mandate to go. Go fruitful. Be, go, be, be fruitful, fruitful multiply. Multiply. Yeah. Subdue the earth. Fill the earth and subdue it. Fill the earth and subdue it. Sorry, I was thinking about something, and you looked at me for an answer. <laughs> Sorry, no, I was, yeah. it was a dramatic pause um, at work. Yeah. Um, because this is not this is not a question of we're trying to examine the contributing factors of why women are believing why people in general are why is there unintentional childlessness among there, women yes, among childless women why is it un- unintentional right and, and so that's what these these are coming from I want we're trying to train our children children to see the next these lies generation, whoever's and, listening yes that again once again God's word stands true it stands solid it has yeah. the purpose that it was intended for. Marriage is so that you can be one with someone else. You can reflect God and His glory, and it is for procreation. Like it's a covenantal, yeah, it's a covenantal expression of the of the love of God meant for the flourishing of humankind. Right. And then we detach the covenantal value that He's in, built into it, and we ignore that or detach it or attempt to. We can't detach it, but we try to. Then it's not going to go well. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, two more things leading to the um, unintentional childlessness among ladies is the idea that we can just adopt. When we're ready, we can adopt. Um, I don't know how true this is, but one one stat I saw was for every 30 families looking to adopt a child in the U.S., there's only one eligible child being born. So that's hard. Adopting is not a guarantee. That's the point there. Now, God moves, and we've seen friends adopt, and we've also seen friends try to adopt unsuccessfully. It's tragic. Um, we, we had friends for two years they tried spent a lot of money doing the house studies and all that kind of stuff, home studies, and never never were able to adopt. So that's one reason people will delay it. They'll say, we can just adopt. We can just adopt. We can just adopt. Well, for some reason, it's, it's very difficult to adopt. Maybe somebody who knows a lot about that can comment on the video uh, to, to help edify everyone else. The final reason I'm going to give for uh, why there's this um, delay um, and unintentional childlessness, and I think it has to do with the men, and here's what I what I labeled it, distracted and sated men. And by sated, I mean their appetites have been 
satisfied. And I mean sexual appetites. Uh, and I say they're distracted by games and online and they're sated by porn. Um, there was uh, an example of a young man, well, a grown man, <laughs> who was in a video game, uh, I don't know what you call them, but they're like a gaming lounge where these guys, and they, they all go and they bring their computers and they all mm-hmm. do gaming together. Want to do gaming later? <laughs> I don't know if that's what <laughs> And they, you know, they're playing games, they're having a good time, and and the interviewer goes in there and says, "Hey, how you doing? Uh, let me ask you some questions." He says, "Okay, would you like to marry someday?" "Yes, I'd like to marry someday." "Okay, well, when?" Um, and they already asked this guy's age. He's thirty-eight years old. He's in this gaming lounge doing his thing, and uh, and so the interviewer said, "When would you like to marry?" He said, "Well," and he got kind of this air of kind of aloofness, and he says, "It's a matter of fate. There's no telling. There's no rush." And my first reaction on hearing that is like, what kind of asinine axiom is that? <laughs> to think in matters of fate, there's no rush. You're 38 years old. Not only are you like, you're, you're gaming your life away. Who knows what else you're doing online? Uh, but you've got, like, there's, Lord forbid if you've got a, a girlfriend that you're keeping in the wind that whole time. who They're waiting for you to make a decision so they can, you know, if they are, you know, they're waiting to get married or they're waiting to start a family. Um, Lord forbid that being the case. So I think one of the main reasons is you have men who are non-committal in these ways, and they are they are not um, they're not leading women in, properly, biblically. I'll say in the relationships toward uh, toward this end. Yeah. We've said a lot here today. We've covered a lot of ground. Um, I want to recap it again because it can be kind of upsetting to listen to this stuff and to think Ryan and Selena are off their their rocker. They're I'm just saying a bunch of told about all of these facts. I'm just like. <laughs> But it's really changed how I view discipling our children and in terms of letting, showing them. So we, they have a baby sister and obviously we'll have to teach this one as well. But showing them, look at this gift. Mm-hmm. What a joy she is to our family. May you experience this blessing by the grace of God. May he give you this blessing of a child. That, and I tell them, I, I tell the girls, I said, I don't care what you do. All I care is that you love and obey the Lord with your life. And, and, what does that mean? Well, here's the word. Let's read the word together and look at what the word says. Children are a blessing. Now, if he blesses you with, with a, a loving, godly husband and he blesses you with children, we want that for you because that's a very rich blessing. And by the way, given the fact what we've said last week, the population is going the way it is. We believe that's one of the best, wisest decisions you can make is to build a family quickly um, and, and to teach your children to do the same. So take that for what it is. We we uh, we hope this has been edifying to you. Um, we hope you don't think we're too crazy at this point. But we do believe with all our hearts that um, children are a blessing in a thousand ways, in ways we don't even know of, and they will be considered even more so in human eyes no, we'll in the coming 60, 70, 80 years because we will realize just how important it is to have a community of people around us and our children have a community of their own children and, and, and around them. Um, and we think that starts with with valuing them as God values them. Good enough? Is that okay? Got to wind it up? Good enough? I'm, I don't want to leave people hanging. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of questions and comments, so it'll be sure, leave a comment. to read those and we can talk about them. <laughs> yeah. You can go to com slash A-S-K, ask, and you can ask a question there and let us know it's for the Fierce Parenting side. Or you can just leave a comment on the YouTube video. It'll be the, the latest one on the channel if you're listening to this fairly recently. It's called, uh, yeah, look up the, the title in the podcast app. All right, let's pray. Father, um, we give this all to you. We give our concerns to you. We trust you. We know that you are good, Lord. We pray that you would um, 
lead our minds, lead our hearts in the area of viewing children as blessings. Lord, help us not to fear. Lord, we know you. We know the one who is the Lord over all human history and beyond. So we trust you with our own lives. We trust you with the lives of our children. Help us to disciple them, to be disciplers of others. Help, help us to disciple them to value children the way you value children. Help us to disciple them to teach their children to value children so that, Lord, by your grace, they might flourish and they might be your hands and feet in whatever community they find themselves in when the time happens. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thanks for hanging out. Uh, I'm gonna leave it at that. If you wanna partner with us, we would be honored. Go to fierceparenting.com slash partner. Uh, that's one of the main reasons that we are able to keep this ministry going. So we would, we would love that. If not, we'll keep doing the content and you're always welcome. And uh, please do feel free to introduce yourself, say hi in the comments or not. Either way, we'll see you again uh, very fairly quickly. This episode of Fierce Parenting is... In the can. We'll see you again in seven days. Until next time. Dave here. <laughs>